Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So getting ready for the 500 tomorrow, I mean, that's just, it's everything. It's everywhere. It's palpable. It is palpable this year how excited people are. And I don't know if it's a total excitement for the race or everybody is really looking forward to a rest. Right? They just want a moment to relax and be, everybody's crazy. Can we please not be so crazy? I need the race. I need a beer. I need to watch people turning left. And then I need a brisket. These are the things. Just me. Just me. All right, fine. Just me. But I'm ready. Super, super excited about it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. But you can't ignore some of the incredible storylines, and especially this Graham Rahal one. It's remarkable how strong this is because the more you think about it, Graham Hall, Graham Rahal uh, filling in for Stefan Wilson in the Dreyer Reimbold Chevy from his uh, Rahal Letterman Lanigan Honda how big this is. It, 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 it's, it's, it's bigger than I think we give it credit for at first blush. So I had the, uh, the conversation with Kevin Lee from NBC Sports. I had the conversation with Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, and, and amongst other things, exactly kind of how amazing is this, this happening when it comes to the Indy 500, or is only the Indy 500 the kind of place where this kind of deal could be made? Kevin Lee joins me right now, NBC Sports. He's also the host of Trackside on 107.5, uh, the fan. And as you saw that move, that replacement, Graham Rahal, in for Stephen Wilson. We're talking about Honda to Chevrolet. We're talking about sponsor issues. We're talking about different teams. Uh, what was your first gut reaction? So when we knew that there was going to need to be a replacement, uh, people would ask about Graham Ray Hall, and my response was the same as what Graham said. His was when Dennis Reinbold called him, "Don't even waste your time because it's it's there are too many obstacles." to navigate. But then when you started thinking about it, it did make a lot more sense. It is a, a, a Honda Chevy thing, but the Honda people are racers. They, they get it, and they're looking out for the greater good, and they understand how important it is for the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan sponsors, Graham's partners, to be in the race. So I think that's what made it get done. And then you also think from the team's perspective, they're going to get more attention because Graham is in their car. That helps their current sponsors. And he's also the most qualified because he's been on the track this year. J.R. Hildebrand could have done it. Sage Karam could have done it. But they've not been on the track this year, so that requires an extra session. This is the best-case scenario for all involved. You know, there's there's the Hollywood story uh, about this, which is real. But that conversation about Honda to Chevrolet and, and United Rentals and Fifth Third Bank – the money is everything in this sport. You you need the sponsors to survive, and satisfying those sponsors matters greatly. So while I, I do want to take a look at the Dry Reinbold side of this, was there any mention from IndyCar and hey, uh, you should you should want to get something like this done? Hey, uh, we need to keep sponsors going and and flowing. It's hard enough as it is. Uh, we want to keep these people in these long term relationships. Was there any conversation that took place with IndyCar itself? So it could have, but I doubt it. So it, it first starts with Honda and Chevy agreeing to 
work with a competitor. And let's think about it this way, too. Graham Rahal is going to learn some things about Chevrolet that can be taken back to Honda. Not a lot. The driver's not going to learn everything in a weekend. But it started with Honda. If Honda were to have said no, which I doubt they did, I think they get it. Then IndyCar might have come back and said, hey, we need to protect one of our full-time teams because while the partners, Fifth Third and United Reynolds and Fleet Cost and Care are full-season partners, the Indy 500 is what it's about. That's where we get our biggest television audience by far. It's the biggest race in the world. And when they're not involved, then that makes it very difficult to uh, satisfy what you've promised them. Talking to Kevin Lee of NBC Sports and Trackside on 107.5 The the Fan. You can find him there. Um, Is there a financial consideration that took place? Did United Rentals, which thought it was out of this, fifth, third thing, they're out of this, did they say, well, look, if this happens, we're going to kick in a couple extra bucks here and there because we want to see our name on a car going in a circle and turning left? I or an oval. So. I, that's usually how that works. And there was the option, and people asked this question, there has been precedent of a big-name driver with partnership being bumped, and then they essentially buy a ride for someone else that happened with A.J. Foyt's team in 2011 with Bruno Giancara. Ryan Hunter-Ray had been bumped, and they essentially took the sponsorship over to that car. So I would imagine that there's a little bit of a, of a kick in there to get some of the Ray Hall partners on that car, or it could simply be a trade. It could be, hey, you need to hire a driver. You don't have to pay the driver. If you just allow us to put the partners on the car, uh, Graham's already under salary with our team. But certainly there is a financial consideration to this. Now let's talk about Graham Rahal, because I'm with you. Uh, For Dreyer Reinbold to make this move, it looks great for them. They look like heroes in the eyes of a lot of people. It's IndyCar coming together, and people love that story. But there is the Graham Rahal story and the soap opera that seems to exist from the outsider looking in that Graham is not happy on dad's team. And Graham would like to be outside of that team. And it seems that this move gives him the opportunity to show that he can drive. So what is victory for Graham Rayall here? Just being in the race? Does he have to win the 500? Or if he places 13th, does he show the rest of IndyCar that he is not the problem? Uh, Rayall, Letterman, Lanigan is the problem. And he should have his own deal with another team. <laughs> It's interesting. It is something to think about. I'll be very surprised if Graham is driving for another team. If And what he's talking about is just we need to be better, and he's honest. And that's something that you can do when your family owns the team. Other drivers can't be quite so blunt that we haven't got it going on. But it's generally been team-wide. Certainly with him and Jack Harvey, they have not had the pace. Lungard is an amazing talent. He's another teammate. He's been a little bit quicker at times. Um, but it, it does show some things, and, and maybe it teaches them something that they can learn from the Chevy side of things. Uh, I don't see Graham going anywhere. I think he mostly just wants to motivate the team to get it together, and if it doesn't get a lot better, Graham's got many other businesses. He does not have to be a race car driver. I don't see him fully retiring. When he does stop driving full-time, he'll keep doing the Indy 500 for a few years. The idea that he's got other things going on, they're building, the, the, or if they haven't already finished, the, the massive project there, I think it's in Zionsville. Uh, 
you don't want to be the guy who got bumped out of the 500. You don't want to be the guy sobbing by your car. Uh, there's, there's still serious ego at play. Do you believe that that ego at play could get Graham Rahal in the final, in the final analysis, could it get him to move to another team? Um, so let's look at it from the other team's perspective. Graham is talking about I'm near the end of my full-time career. There's a lot of big-name free agents out there. So I guess to go back to your original question, say he does finish seventh or eighth, maybe that spurs some other conversations, but no one has doubted his ability at the Indianapolis 500. He's always raced to the front. He could have won the thing a couple of years ago. There's a really deep driver market right now. Could there be some interest? Part of it would depend on if Graham has the ability to take some of these partners with him. I don't see him taking partners and sponsors from his dad's race team. And that's a lot of what motorsport is about. There are plenty of talented drivers. If you're a talented driver that helps pay the bills, that's a different story. Um, I, I don't see Graham Rahal driving for another team next year. I think well, he'll I've be got about he's 30... at or not driving. Well, I've got about 30 seconds left with you, Kevin. We talk about some of these new names for, for many of us. It's, it's a different set of names, and you've got big names that are retiring. Tony Kanan, this is his last race. You wonder how many more Helio Castroneves has in him. Uh, we don't see, of course, people that, that I, if you will, came up with, people like James Hinchcliffe at all right now. Um, are we about to see a lot of turnover in IndyCar? It's, there's a big number of guys in their 40s, and then there's a big number of guys in their early 20s. So, yeah, you are seeing the end of a classic area. Uh, era. And you're right. Uh, Castroneves, I think he'll be back next year, at least for the Indy 500, but he does not have a full-time deal yet for next year. It's still early. Dixon could drive another 10 years. He could say, you know what, I- I've done enough uh, at this point. So he's in that group of Masato is in his past his mid-40s at this point. I know he's not ready, but, yes, we're getting close. It, it is a really wonderful area with big star names and I think at least a dozen guys that can win this race. That conversation was coming back and back and back again. Kevin Lee, I appreciate you uh, being here. NBC Sports trackside on 107.5 The Fan here in Indianapolis. There are a lot of guys who can win this race. A lot of guys. Now, for those of you heading out uh, to the track, uh, there, there are some things to know about getting in, things to know about security this year. And then, as Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, pointed out, um, yeah, this, this deal, this Honda Chevy thing, this is, this is something special. Well, I think a lot of the things that they'll see, you know, we did in 2020 when we, when we didn't have anybody here. So Roger said, let's just work, get some things done. The new stuff this year, a couple new video boards. Uh, there's some new asphalt that's actually, um, if you sit in turn one, you'll notice that when you're going to turn one, makes it easier to get in and out. New spectator mound for those GA customers who bring their 15 and under kids for free. That's inside Oval Turn 4, which will be fantastic, I think. Um, and then our TV compound actually moved outside the racetrack, so our midway has moved uh, internally. Uh, so that it's a little bit more accessible to folks. So I think those are the, the things I'll see. The biggest thing I think everybody's going to notice is just the crowd, again, is going to be an outstanding crowd, probably bigger than last year. And last year's crowd, in fact, I know bigger than last year. Um, and last year's crowd was the best crowd we've had since 2016. And beyond that, the best crowd we've had in the last 25 years. So we're going to see a crowd that rivals the 100th running? No, no, no. We're going to see a crowd that rivals last year. We're still going to be, I'm guessing we're still going to be, you know, 
10 or 15,000 below where we were on uh, in 2016, but we're getting really close to that, to, to having that kind of capacity or those kind of numbers here in the facility again. And that's really just a tribute to how much the fans have just re-embraced the Indy 500. It's pretty amazing. Before we get into some aspects of the race, one of the other things that we're seeing is some enhanced security, you know, being there over the past couple of days. The metal detectors are out, and from every conversation, man, they will, if you've got a paper clip they're going to pick it up you know actually they're they're really fantastic in terms of you can walk through with a cooler and it knows that it'll know that the difference between your your miller light versus um something that you shouldn't have so we've been really working with the group uh, called open gate that's really helping us do that so you can keep everything in your pocket walk right through and it'll let things go that should be here but if you try and get in with something you shouldn't have it's pretty good about detecting those Talking to Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now let's get into race day. Let's get into this weekend. First, you have been blessed with perfect weather. And in my nine years here and eight years covering uh, the race, the first time I've ever been able to say perfect weather all weekend long. We've got Carb Day. We've got Legends Day. When do these activities start on Friday? So legends or car days, you know, obviously Friday is going to be awesome when we get cars on track at uh, from eleven to one, and the pit stop competition and music starting at four. And you're right, I can't remember in my thirteen years here at the Speedway, a month of May, where we've had such a great weather forecast so for so far out. So that's going to be fantastic. But on track at eleven, I just encourage everybody to get here early. It just they're only on for uh, the Indy cars are only on track for two hours, so you want to be here for that. And then pit stop competition will be good this year, and then. Uh, Brian Adams' concert uh, should be an awful lot of fun, especially in this beautiful weather. On race day itself, of course, much has been made of Graham Rahal, bumped with Rahal, Letterman Lanigan Racing, and then the injury to to Stefan Wilson, and coming in, being part of of that team now at Dreyer and Reinbold. The sponsors moving over. Two things, Doug. First, is there an update on Stefan Wilson's uh, condition? And then secondly, can you walk us through what it takes to get these sponsors to come together to recognize that the good of the race is the good for everybody, even if it wasn't how you intended it to be. So on Stefan's side, I think obviously he's going to have to deal with the with the fracture that he has, and um, the hope was uh, last that I heard is he's still hopeful that he can get out here on Sunday and at least say hello to the crowd, which we're really hope you know we're really looking forward to. I've seen some of the posts that he's he's made, and he's uh, certainly in good spirits. Disappointed, obviously. The biggest challenge, I think, for getting Graham Rahal in Stefan Wilson's car was really less about sponsors, although that was a challenge, but more about the the engine manufacturers. Honda and Chevy keep compete so fiercely with each other; they don't want to. They don't want any uh, anybody to know the the difference in the mapping that they have, the way that they the way that they run their fuel saving, all the different things that they do to try and get that competitive edge. For so for Chevy and Honda to both agree that a Honda driver could drive a Chevy in the Indy 500 is, is a, a miracle. And it really does say how important this race is to everybody that those two engine manufacturers could put their big differences and their competition aside and say, this is the, this is the best thing for the sport. Let's get Graham Rahal in this car. When you talk to the fans uh, about this, do they recognize how – how almost criminally insane it all is, how this is not something that that is normal. And is this a sign of the times? If this had happened, uh, I mean, I don't want to get into the to, to the cart days, but picture uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, pick your, pick your time frame. 
Could something like this have happened between Honda and Chevy? Well, I, you know, I, so there was a period of time, you know, Honda and Chevy have always sort of competed on the on the IndyCar platform back in the split days when they had a, you know, had a single engine manufacturer with been more about the sponsors and the teams. So, but but definitely, I think it's a challenge to get people to to work through all the differences that they have. So it is a, it is a big deal, and I think the great thing about it. I mean, you talked a, a little bit about the drama of Bump Day. I mean, we had the perfect Bump Day with Jack Harvey at the very last minute bumping out somebody to get in the race, and then having it be Graham Rahal, knowing how important this race is to Graham and to his family, and then 30 years from the time that his dad got bumped from the from the field. That storyline was incredible, and then to to see it come full circle and Graham getting the chance to run the Indy 500. It's one of those magical, magical stories um, that sort of comes up with, you know, during the month of May and around the Indy 500. See, Doug Bowles is such a gentleman. He didn't say to me, Tony, you forgot there was only a single engine in the day. Your your comparison did not work. See, see, that takes a gentleman right there not to call me out direct. I had to call myself out, Doug Bowles. That's that's how honest we are on this show. Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, are in, in the end, uh, race day is going uh, to, to come. Uh, you expect a very, very full uh, speedway indeed. Uh, you're not a predictions guy because I don't think you can be a predictions guy. You got some family in this thing. You know, there's, there's only so much y- you, you can say. Uh, but is there anybody up until this, this point has surprised you up or down, doing far better than you assumed, or you're really kind of fascinated by the struggles they're having? Well, you know, you're right. I do have family, so my stepson Connor Daly's in it. So if you ask me, who do you want to win the Indy 500? The stepdad in me obviously is is rooting for Connor. But as the as the president of the Speedway, I think you're right. There's some really cool storylines. The, the Aero McLaren team has been strong all month. Pato Award is maybe maybe the one in my mind. If you said you have to pick one, that I might pick that that feels really strong. The two AJ Foyt cars, the way that they qualified. It'll be interesting to see if they can race like they qualified, but that was a surprise, I think, for a lot of folks to see um, Peterson and Ferrucci so fast. Alex Pelot, uh, you know, almost won the race when he was competing against uh, Elio Castroneves in 21. And last year when Scott Dixon had his speeding penalty, uh, you know, with Pelot in sort of the same car, he could be really hard to deal with uh, on race day. So there's there's quite a few of them. And it'll be interesting to see what Graham Rahal can do in Stefan Wilson's car. Obviously, Graham's car wasn't fast enough to get in the 500, but Stefan's car has been pretty good. So I think it'll be fun to watch Graham from last. and Nobody's ever won from last place, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Graham Rahal wins this thing from starting 33rd, from being bumped. Uh, Place is going to go nuts. Place is going to go criminally insane. I'm not calling that as my winner. You'll have to listen on Sunday to the broadcast that we do on 93.1 FM WIBC starting at 6 a.m. I'll tell you who I'm picking then. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I'm a superhero. Every day narrows down. This is why I went on February 1st to see the president. I asked him that we could sit down. We can't get those 97 days back that he said he would never negotiate. We can only, we've only been able to negotiate for the last couple of weeks. We know it's a crunch time. We know it's not easy. But we're going to make sure. We're not just trying to get an agreement. We're trying to get something that's worthy of the American people that changes the trajectory. So we're going to work just as hard. We worked through the night last night. I thought we made progress yesterday. I want to make progress again today. And I want to be able to solve this problem. Let's see if they solve the problem. Let's see if we get a debt limit deal or not. 
I think we're going to be fine either way. There's, I still have no reason to be worked up, and neither does anybody else. Dr. Matt Will will explain it coming up in just a little bit. Economist from the University of Indianapolis. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. If I listen to the experts or take a look at reports, I'll find that inflation only went up 0.4% in April, 4.7% from a year ago. That, according to the latest information coming out from the Fed, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And you took a look at this report. You know, you, you you saw the markets immediately jump up. You take a look at it with a different eye. You're not engaged in the reactionary or the emotional. You're asking what it's saying. Is this saying that inflation is still high with no chances of coming down? Or is this the first step to, hey, we might see some good times ahead even in 2023? Well, Tony, first of all, the markets went up because they see a debt deal happening. It has nothing to do with the inflation report. And I got to tell you, I'm going to be a little emotional because I'm very upset because 4.8, year over year. So we're all, inconsistent, we're all consistent here. It's been going up for the last three months. It's not been trending down. It's been going up for the last three months, Tony. Last month was 0.1. This is a bad report, and it shocks me because we're in the middle of a, a debt negotiation. And in this debt negotiation, the problem is spending, 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 and the progressives don't want to stop the spending, and they're going to make us look like a third-world country if they don't stop this silliness. Let's take a moment to go through a couple of those things. First, going up month by month, you're saying that year-over-year inflation has increased over the last three months? Yes. Well, no, the, you're knocking out the large numbers from a year ago, Tony. You're, if you look at just last month and the previous month, those two months were lower than this month. This month's inflation is higher than the last two months. And that's you, that is that a, a pos, the possibility of a trend upward. The, so the question is, is it a trend upward? Is there an indicator out there that says, hey, everything that the Fed has done, raising interest rates and raising interest rates is not going to do any good because the spending is still too great. This debt deal might actually bring more spending. And this is the start of a creep up that's going to continue for a foreseeable future. Tony, can you just replay what you just said? That is 100% correct. The 100% correct is we're about to see a trend up, or the 100% correct is this debt deal is going to lead to more spending? I think, well, I don't know if the debt deal is going to lead to more spending, Tony, but what you said that the spending is the problem, and the fiscal pol- the monetary policy has been doing its job. But the fiscal policy is not stopping. When when I sent you a message on this a few moments ago, my comment was was very explicit. The problem here is a bigger problem we have to look at. Don't look at the numbers in the report. Look at the fact that we have progressives who are spending money. Tony, we're turning ourselves into a third world country. These progressives are spending money like it's out of control to buy votes. They're trying to buy votes, Tony. 
And people are going to be happy. Ignorant voters will say, sure, thank you for spending all the money, when in fact they're causing inflation, which decreases their standard of living, decrease, increases the cost of living, and then they blame it on evil businesses. This is a, they know what they're doing, Tony. They know what they're doing with the spending of money, and with this debt deal, they just don't care. They care about politics, not about helping common citizens. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. One of the things that this shows, as I'm reading the reporting there from uh, CNBC, uh, you have an increase in food. Food prices rose 6.9% from a year ago, while energy fell 6.3%. I, I'm not quite sure how one goes up and one goes down to to these numbers is there an understanding of this or is that less important than the overall of inflation is on the way up and everybody's going to suffer no tony actually that's very easy to explain the reason energy prices are down is because we're heading into a recession and we said many times on the show that slow economic growth causes a decrease in energy prices because you have less demand. But the increase in food costs is exactly what happens when you have government spending causing inflation. And so, no, those things can happen definitely at the same time. And what hits someone in the pocket but put more than the increasing cost of food, the stuff you must have every day? Tony, I can't believe that the president has a 1% approval rating at this point. I am shocked. <laughs> Uh, you know, we heard from a couple different people in the Fed, the, the, the president of the Minneapolis Fed, the president of the Fed down in Atlanta. And what you heard was, you know, everything Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, said about hinting that we're done raising interest rates. Don't believe that. It's very possible that we're going to see more interest rate increases, even if we don't see it in the month of June. People should be prepared for these kinds of things. They they were not, it wasn't necessarily a doom and gloom statement from them, from Kashkari out of uh, Minneapolis and others, but rather it was this, hey, uh, we're not done here. This doesn't seem to affect the markets at all. This, this again, this indicator that the markets don't represent Midwest Main Street. Wall Street and Midwest Main Street are very, very different things. You're a believer, are other economists believers, that based on reports like this, this trending, based on what we see in spending, that these uh, Fed presidents are correct and we will see yet again more hikes going into the fall? Highly possible, but let me, let me put into English what they're saying, Tony. Remember that you and I talked about the, the boxing match between Jerome Powell and Biden. And Jerome Powell is saying, okay, we're going to stop for a moment, people. We're going to pause for a month. Please get your spending in order. Stop spending. If you keep spending, we're going to have to increase rates again. If you can get it under control, then we won't. That's what they said, Tony. They're taking a pause and giving you an opportunity, Biden, to stop spending. He's not taking that opportunity, and nothing shows that he's taking that opportunity. And even in this debt limit conversation, it's about wanting to spend more. And when Republicans are saying we should spend at 2022 levels, the Democrats have decided, well, you, you're saying you want to have cuts, cuts to veterans benefits, cuts to this, cuts to that. Not wanting to spend money is equivalent to a cut for the left in economics. Does that have any kind of rational thinking to it? None, Tony. It has nothing to do with economics. It has to do every, everything to do with politics. Because it's not even keeping spending. It's 
keeping growth down. We're not even talking about maintaining levels. There's still built-in growth in those numbers, automatic growth increases such as Social Security. So it's a lie to say that there's cuts, and it's also a lie to say that it's a total freeze. That is not correct. There are built-in mandates as to increases for certain categories of spending. So as uh, we were discussing and you were discussing uh, earlier that what we're seeing is a uh, maybe a jump in in the markets has nothing to do with this report uh, on inflation, but rather the possibility of of a of a debt limit deal or seeing movement there and and the the markets Wall Street being as you often described you know junkies um, this is just a quick hit and it gives them uh, some excitement. What debt limit deal would make Wall Street most happy and what debt limit deal would send Wall Street in in the other direction? A cut in spending and no increase in taxes. Oh, best of luck there. Best of luck there, Boo Bear. Yeah, but the deal is, let let me explain why the market went up. It's not hard to understand. The market went down because they saw a decrease in the debt rating of the United States by uh, Fitch the other day. So they saw this, this decrease in the debt rating, and therefore the market tanked as a result of that. This is simply a rebound. It's kind of like you know Biden saying, I cut $1.7 trillion in spending. No, he didn't. We just had this massive one-time increase, and it disappeared. He did nothing to do with decreasing spending. This is simply a rebound effect from the market going down as a consequence of the uh, downgrading of U.S. debt. You know, you bring up the $1.7 trillion and and Biden has been saying this so often, and it's constantly, he's constantly called out uh, for this, for this, this lie. Let me, let me play this for you really quick. In my first two years in office, I brought the deficit down by a record $1.7 trillion. All we spent... Still less than $1.7 trillion. This has been given an unlimited or bottomless Pinocchio by the Washington Post. This is constantly called out for the lie that it is, but he keeps saying it. The head of the Democrats in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, keeps saying it. The White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, keeps saying it. When do a group of economists get together, write a letter to the Wall Street Journal, an open letter to Biden, and say, bullcrap, this never happened? Well, I don't know that's going to happen because you got to remember, most uh, university economists are in the back pocket of the administration because they feed it the, the, you know, they feed it the trough that the government creates. But if people want to know the truth, it's very simple. Just Google or Bing or whatever your search engine is, search Fred, F-R-E-D, St. Louis, budget deficit. That's the official website of the Federal Reserve Board that tracks the deficits. Fred, federal budget deficit. And you'll get the graph and you can look at the picture. If you don't want to read words, just look at the picture and you'll see how it shot up in the pandemic. And then when it came down 1.7, it is still at an enormous level more than when Trump left office. Every it's a continual conversation, just like, you know, they they told us that the Inflation Reduction Act would reduce inflation. And there's no shot uh, of that. Um, You are the one who explained to us that this idea that we're going to run out of money if we don't raise the debt limit is untrue. There's still plenty of money coming in to the to uh, the uh, to the Federal Reserve uh, or, or coming into the country, I should say. You had Speaker Kevin McCarthy 
make the same statement just the other day, a day or two ago, that money is still coming in. But you have Republicans now, like uh, Byron Donald's uh, representative out of Florida, Matt Gates out of Florida as well, and others, saying, we don't believe Janet Yellen's number, the Treasury Secretary. We don't believe this idea that we're going to run out of money by June 1st. Show us your work. Show us how you got to this calculation. Has anybody asked other than these two members of congress asked janet yellen to prove that we'll be out of money by by june 1st and is it imperative that we have a deal done by june 1st well okay you know whether it's imperative is a whole different question because how will the markets react we don't know we've never seen this happen before so i don't know if it's imperative um, as far as what uh, Gates and others are asking, that's very disingenuous. I got to criticize them because they can look up in Google within one minute those exact numbers. You can see the inflows and outflows from the federal government. It's public data. So we don't need Janet Yellen to put it together. We can see that we are collecting money and we can see that we are spending money, but that we will cease to be able to spend more than we collect. It's, it's just that simple, Tony. We're going to collect money. I didn't know Speaker McCarthy made the same statement I did, but it's true. Money's flowing in, but we will not be able to deficit spend effective sometime in June. That's correct. So you just have to live within your limits starting June something. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There's more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I'm not usually a guy who gets senioritis. I, I don't get to the place where I'm like, oh, man, I'm already on vacation in my head. I'm done. I've said it before. Like, man, I've, I've got this. Oh, I'm like, it's already on vacation in my head. But I never don't not do the work. Like, like I'm in it. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm in it. Like, everybody, everybody's different. But I've, just, I've never been able to just tune out completely like that. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? Today... Today, I actually feel like, bring on the race. Bring on the Indy 500. Let's go. And if you're anywhere in Indiana, you're like, this is this is it. This is going to be a good weekend. I want my smoker going. I want the good cigar. I want, I want a drink. I, let's do the thing. It's just perfect for it. Now, I, I don't think you should forget the importance of Memorial Day and, and remember those who gave all. Because you should not forget the importance of Memorial Day and remember those who gave all. But you should take the time to breathe, uh, to relax. We, we talk about this with the political stuff and the war all the time. I, I, I don't deny that it's a war. I don't deny that it's a fight. You got to keep the fight up. But you also got to give yourself a moment to breathe. It is necessary. You can do both things. I believe this. I believe this. I work this. I, I, I'm a practitioner of it. And so I think the 500 is a, is a great place to just be like, whew, Let's go enjoy this. So if you're going to be out at the race, come say hello. I will be on Pagoda Plaza because over at my home station in Indianapolis and WIBC, we are the, the station of the race, and, uh, and we'll be there. So starting 6 a.m. on Pagoda Plaza, uh, cigar in hand, uh, doing the show, getting people to the track, doing the whole thing. It's, it's so much fun. And then, and then the race itself. I don't know where I'll be for the race. I have tickets. Um, I, I forget where they even they are. They're actually in the stands. I've never actually done the race from the stands before, ever. It's always from uh, Media Center. It's always from someplace else. Last year was turn two. Uh, I, I have no idea where I'll be this year. None. Zero idea where I will be uh, this year for the race. All I know is I'll be there with, with my brother, the good Dr. Katz, 
experiencing his first race. So so after this, I'm taking him out to the to the track to to just experience some of Carb Day. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a treat seeing his face. This is gonna be good. Uh, and then and then the race itself. So be out there and then hanging about and then it's uh, a 16 pound brisket that has already been selected. Um, it, it'll be a weekend of beef ribs and some other things. I have some chicken to pick up. I've, I've been enjoying smoking chicken lately. And my tra- I, so I use a Traeger, so it's the wood pellets. And I've been able to kind of figure out that you can really make skin work. Like on a turkey for Thanksgiving, I don't care about skin. On a chicken for every day, I care about skin. It's 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 different. And so I, I've kind of got it dialed in now. And so I feel really good about it. So I want to do more and make sure I, I've got that right. So there's beef ribs. There's there's chicken to do. And then there's a, a 16, 16.74 pounds, 16.74 pound brisket. That's going to happen for Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be so, so good. And then after that, a little bit of digestion, we'll get back into it. We will. Uh, will the debt limit be done? No, no. Don't be silly. Is all of a sudden China going to stop its aggression? No, no, no. Is Russia going to no longer invade Ukraine? No. Is the southern border still going to be a problem? Yes, it will. Will Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the rest of the commie squad be pushing commie things our way? Absolutely. Is someone who shouldn't be lecturing to us totally going to lecture us without a doubt? That's going down. The only thing I can tell you to do is breathe. Yes, these things are all going to have to be fought. Are we going to have to protect our kids in school, protect our kids from mutilation? Yes, that's all going to be there. It's on the daily. I don't want this to be the world that we're living in. I want to recognize the world we are living in. It's not that I want it. It's that it's real. And yes, you have to fight it. And the fight is worthy. And it doesn't matter what they say about you. We are in multiple places winning it. But it doesn't mean that you don't take a breath from time to time. It's necessary. What? I'm talking about real life here. You have a family. You have kids. You have parents. You have friends. You should go enjoy them. So go enjoy them. And I'll see you at the track, maybe. Come say hello. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.